0: Evening service. Um, I want to thank the band and uh, spe- specifically Everett, who's here from uh, our Muir congregation. You can give him a hand serving us tonight. Thank you. Um, also to the rest of the band that served us in leading us in worship through music. I don't want to repeat the announcements, but do just give me a moment. Um, you heard that we're asking that if you are studying next year as a first year, that you'll enrol. It's not just an announcement for Matrix. I wanna ask you guys, the first year camp, this is the first time we're really attempting to do this thing and do it well, but we need you to help us market this. So even if you put it on your story or on your Facebook, uh, um, on WhatsApp, if you have friends and family that you know, has got know someone that's going to study in Pretoria next year, don't you wanna send them the invite? And whatever they do with the invite, that's up to them. But do please own this with us as we want to see as many as possible um, first year students next year at our first year's camp. So please do own this with us. Um, You're a generation that's closer to the next generation. And I'm intentionally saying there's a next generation behind you. And just as some of the older generation has got a responsibility towards this generation, so you have a responsibility to the one that's coming after you. Own it with us. Invite people to come and join us. Then you would have heard, next Sunday we have this combined service. It's our Thanksgiving service. I don't know who of you attended it last year. We've been doing this in Willows for the last couple of years. It's one of our highlights of the year. Where we just come together and we celebrate what God has been doing in us at church. And, and this morning, I started off my sermon by telling the morning service that I'm gonna tell you guys that there's free food next week. <laughs> and I'm keeping them accountable and hopefully they don't drop me. But I'm keeping them accountable that they will bring extra food. I said to them, guys, it's students and young adults. We have to serve them, we have to feed them. So in my heart, I hope, I hope, there's gonna be some amazing food next week. I'm trusting that uh, Auntie Lorna, I can tell her Auntie Lorna? yeah. Don't tell her I said auntie in front of anyone, but (laughs) she'll bring a cheesecake. I don't know if she's going to do it. But I did tell the morning service guys, you have to bring your A game, you have to bring extra food. I'm asking you guys, you must come and eat the food. (laughs) I told them, I'm going to tell you guys, you have to pitch, there's going to be free food, and you're going to bring the ghias next week. Go. So, I know it's early. I know most of you would prefer to come to church at six. Join us at nine. It's a, it's a great moment where we don't just celebrate a service, we celebrate a spiritual family. And you're part of that family. And do join us next week. We're going to pray together at eight o'clock. Come on, eight o'clock. Nine o'clock, we're going to start our service, and after our service, we're going to just be together as a family and celebrate and social together. Please do join us for that, and invite friends to come and join us as well. It's going to be a great moment. Go. So, I look forward to see you guys next week. Enjoy your Sunday. Those of you writing exams, good luck. We see each other. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, We're busy with a series called uh, Emotions. And during this series, we've been looking at certain emotions and um, not just addressing these emotions, but looking uh, from a biblical perspective, what does the Bible teach us about these emotions? We don't wanna just ignore emotions. Emotions is part of the gift of being alive. It's part of what God has given us as humans. So we shouldn't ignore emotions. We shouldn't also elevate emotions that they are the ultimate authority of our life. So what do we do with this thing called emotions? For the last couple of weeks, we've looked at a biblical perspective for how we deal and act and think in regards to certain emotions. We started off by speaking about anger. Then we spoke about hurt. And last week, we spoke about anxiety. And today, we're going to speak about something that's a little bit lighter than those three heavy emotions. We're going to speak about joy. Joy. What is the Secret to Happiness. If you th- I think if you start a podcast with that name, The Secret to Happiness, you would definitely have subscribers. <laughs> definitely. I mean, if you go into any Christian bookshop, it's some of the best sellers in the shop. Five Steps to a Better You. Three Ways to the Best Life You've Ever Dreamed of. I would be really happy. Now I joke a little bit about this being a very successful podcast or a best-selling book, but the reality is the reason why people go for these kind of things is because all of us have a deep desire to be happy. All of us, if we're really honest, wants to feel happy. If I were to stand at that door this evening and greeted every one of you personally walking in and asked you the question, do you want to be happy? I doubt that there was anyone that would have said no. Maybe there's one or two of you that's going through a bad pace and you're just like, no, leave me alone. (laughs) But in general, I think all of us want to be happy. All of us desire a life that's filled with joy. In fact, I believe some people have such a deep need for joy that all of their behavior and everything that they do is intended to receive some form of happiness. Joy is a deep need inside of all of us. And we try to find joy in various ways. Each one of us do it in, in a different way, similar ways but different ways. In general, people try to find joy in what we do. Most people go and study something that they think they will enjoy. Either you study it because you think you'll enjoy it, or you think you'll make money and you'll enjoy money. <laughs> but few people go and study something that they're gonna absolutely hate and they think they're gonna make the, it's gonna make their life miserable. I don't wanna use an example, I might offend some people. <laughs> Ah, pharmacy, I studied pharmacy. No, there's not really pharmacists here. Ah, nobody goes, oh, I wanna be a pharmacist. That will be the absolute death of my life. (laughs) You study something that you think will make you happy or at least provide in such a way that you will be happy. Try to find joy in what we do, not just in what we study, not just in the work that we do, but also in that what we do for recreational purposes. Sports, hobbies, even sometimes just scrolling on social media can be done for the sole purpose of finding some form of joy. We try to find joy in experiences and adventures. That's why we go on different trips and we go and explore different things and we go to events and we go to certain occasions because we want to find joy from Experiences. Some people try to find joy in friendships. Through friendships, we want to want to feel not just love, but there needs to be a form of happiness. Some people try to find joy in the way that we look. I mean, let's be honest for a moment. You don't wake up in the morning, get dressed, and go to the middle and go, ha! Ah! I lost a couple of you there (laughs) hopefully you go to the mirror and you go hey looking good feeling sharp (laughs) if you don't try it tomorrow morning give yourself a go in the mirror hey man looking sharp looking good if you don't look sharp dress shop go to the mirror and go looking good feeling good (laughs) but we do find some form of joy in the way we look that's why people spend numerous hours and countless bills on getting the perfect body because maybe if i have the perfect look i will be happy Some people's sole purpose behind getting married is to be happy. And some people are eagerly waiting for the one. Because the one will make you happy. That's the motivation behind marriage for so many people. The reality is so many people get divorced for the same reason, be happy. And we try to find joy in not just friendship relationships, but also intimate relationships. We tend to think the things that we have will make us happy. I joked this morning, I said, I can imagine my life being filled with joy with a BMW GS. Man, if I had a GS, uh, there would be just so much more joy. But we tend to think that things will make us happy. That's why so many of you are excited about Black Friday. (laughs) Looking forward to buy that thing, that shoes, that will make us happy. It will make us feel good. And the banks across the world is excited about Black Friday. Most people believe the things that you have will give you joy. Most people believe the more money you have, the happier you are. And most people think that the ultimate joy in this life is freedom being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it according to your heart's desire if you have the means and the ability to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do for whatever you want to do that is happiness think back a couple of years ago when you were teenagers that was the idea if I can just get out of this house, then I'll be happy. When I can determine how my life looks like, then I will be happy. Freedom will bring me joy. And now you're out of the house and you realize, (laughs) tough life. (laughs) Some of you have stopped studying or you've finished studying and you started to work, you go, Where's freedom now? Some people try to find joy in substances like food. When we're stressed, we'll eat. Or in alcohol. If I can just drink enough so that I'm tipsy, then I'm a better person. I'm more fun. People enjoy me more. I'm more relaxed. We turn to substances like food, alcohol, and other drugs to give us moments of pleasure and happiness, or at least to numb the pain of discontentment and unhappiness. We turn to various things in the hope that this will give us lasting joy. So what gives you joy? Is there something that gives you joy? Or a better question in what are you placing your trust for joy? What is your source of joy? All these things that I've mentioned, I'm not saying that they are bad things. Most of these things are good things. Most of these, th- of these things are things that we are to enjoy. It's things that God has given us, and there is some form of earthly pleasure that we should find in these things. That's part of that, of living and living life to the fullest. But they cannot bring us lasting joy. They cannot be the, the foundation and the hope of our joy because these things can easily be taken away. And when we don't have these things, then we lose our joy. So, yes, can they bring us moments of pleasure? Yes. But is this the foundation for joy? Not at all. And if this is the foundation of your joy, you'll constantly run after things that will make you happy. Running after these things in the hope of joy is like running on a treadmill. You can put in all the effort and you go faster and harder, but at the end of the day, you're still exactly where you are, empty and without joy. I read an article once that said uh, this quote, um, we all tend to hang heavy weights on the thinnest of wires. And the idea behind this quote is that we tend to hang significant and important things like our joy on uncertain and fragile things that can easily be taken away. We hang our joy on thin wires, things that can easily be taken away. So ultimately, we need to ask the question, is our only hope to experience joy in this world based on what we have and what we experience? Or is it possible to have a life, a joy-filled life, regardless of what we experience and have? That's what we're trying to answer tonight. And we're going to do this by looking at a scripture in John 15. So if you have your Bible with you, I would love you to turn to John 15. As you're turning there, I'm just going to give a little bit of context. Those of you who might not know this. This is the evening before Jesus will be captured and eventually crucified. So in these couple of chapters in the book of John, the Gospel of John, we see some of the most intimate last conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. And this this is one of those moments. It's one of those moments where this is Jesus sharing his last, some of his last thoughts before he would be captured and crucified. Before we read together, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to read and study your word. And Lord, as we turn to your word tonight, we're not just turning towards it for answers into how we can find joy. We turn to it as the authority of our life. Lord, we pray that your word would come and shape us and mold us and um, mold our minds and our hearts in such a way that will bring you honor and glory, that it will change us, Lord. That we'll be the men and women that honors you uh, and fulfill that which you've placed in our lives. Lord, we don't want to manipulate your word to suit our needs and our desires. And therefore, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, come and lead us in your truth. Lord, where conviction is needed, may you bring conviction to our hearts. But Lord, also where lies need to be rebuked, I pray that you would come and reveal those lies and replace it with your truth. We thank you for the ability to to read your word, Lord, and we pray now as we submit ourselves unto your word that your perfect will be done. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're gonna read together, it's John 15 from verse five. I'm gonna read out of the ESV translation and you can follow with me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. For a moment, can we think about that last sentence? The disciples are about to face some of the most uncertain, fearful times of their lives. They're going to go through disappointment, anxiety fear, shame, they're going to desert Jesus, they're going to question what is happening now, what have they given their lives towards, Jesus is going to die, they don't know it in this moment, Jesus knows it, Jesus knows that they are about to enter some of the toughest moments of their lives, and He goes, I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We have the privilege of knowing what's gonna happen, but they don't. Try to think, would they remember these words when Jesus are being taken away? Would they remember these words when he's hanging on the cross, when he's being martyred in front of them? When they remember these words, when they feel shameful and question, could I have done more? Why did I abandon Jesus? Will they remember these words when the devil accuses them? But Jesus knows what's gonna happen and he says, I've told you these things that my joy may be in you. But Jesus is saying to them, in me there's a joy and I want to give it to you I want my joy to be in you so that your joy will be full there's a joy inside of Christ that he wants to give his disciples and then he says that if you have this joy my joy your joy will be full different translations say, it will be complete. Once you have the joy of Christ in you, it is such an overwhelming joy that the other things that we're trying to find joy in will just be added to our joy. It will add pleasure and moments of happiness, but God's joy is sufficient and complete and enough. See, joy is not something that we have to work for or search for it's not something that is hidden in this world amongst things and experiences it's something that god wants to give us it's something that god wants us to experience but not just any joy his joy now it's important that when we speak about god's joy and that what he wants to give us that we we look at this Not just out of one encounter in the Bible, but the whole narrative of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible. What's the joy of God? Because unfortunately in in modern society, we've grown accustomed to a prosperity gospel. And when we read something like this, that God wants to give us joy, is that our joy may be full. Some of us hear that God's going to give us everything that we desire. That's not the joy that God is speaking about. The joy that God offers us is not the promise of the absence of difficulty. It's not the promise that there will not be struggle and pain in this world. It's not the promise that you're going to have an easy life. And it's not the promise and the guarantee that you will not go through disappointments. We live In a sinful, broken world. And we will go through stuff in this world. God's joy and his promise of joy is not necessarily an easy life. God's joy is something far greater than emotions and feelings of happiness. It's something that is lasting beyond the experiences it's something that is more powerful than things god's joy is a contentment that he is enough he is enough and as a loving father he provides into all our needs really important all our needs not our desires there's certain desires that god graces us with But he said he'll provide into all our needs. Whom of you know that there are certain desires in your heart that will not be good for you? If God gave you everything that you desired, it would probably not be good for your soul. If I gave my children everything that they desired, I would probably ruin their life. My daughter would live on sugar. (laughs) And although it's funny, it will probably destroy her life. And I know it's an oversimplified example. But there's a contentment that God says, I am enough. And I know exactly what you need when you need it. And I will provide according to my goodness and not according to your performance. That's joy. God is enough. The joy that God wants to give us is a peace. A peace that's far greater than any fear that we might experience. When we're faced with the reality of this world, there's a joy in knowing that we can experience this peace. Peace. And it might not make sense how can we have peace in the midst of all these trials and tribulations and challenges and uncertain circumstances. But that's the joy of knowing that God gives us peace. The joy that God wants to give us is the comfort that he can be trusted. You can trust him. There's a joy in the hope that nothing is impossible for God. And you can turn any moment and every occasion towards God and appeal to His incredible almighty power knowing that nothing is impossible for Him. And there's a joy in knowing that we can experience the presence of God. We are never alone. It's something that the world cannot give us. It's something that No thing or no amount of money can give us the assurance of his presence, the assurance that he can do the impossible, the assurance that he can give us peace and the assurance that he will provide and he is good and he's trustworthy. But unfortunately, not everyone experiences this joy. Not everyone experiences the joy that Christ wants to give us. There's a prerequisite that Jesus mentions here. I've told you these things so that. There's certain things that Jesus said so that we may experience his joy. what are these things that Jesus said? What's the prerequisites to experience his joy? Well, if you go through the scripture, there's a certain word that just repeats itself over and over and over and over. You don't have to be a linguist or a theologian to know what Jesus is saying here. What's that word? Just give it a guess. Abide, well done. Second row, free coffees for all of you, okay. (laughs) Free coffees, not cappuccinos, okay. (laughs) Abide, 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 abide. The word abide is a verb. It requires action, it requires intentionality. It's not just something that happens. There's something that we need to do in order to experience the joy of God. And Jesus says, we need to abide. This word abide means to remain or to stay in a certain position or state or activity. What does Jesus say? What do we have to buy, abide in? There's a couple of things that he mentions. He starts off with saying, abide in me. Remain in me, stay in me. I think about this picture, that it gives them this example. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, do you know what's a succulent, fat blanky? Jesus is not going saying, you are the succulents of the world. No, a succulent, you can cut off a leaf or you can cut off a branch and you can just stick it back into any form of ground and they will sprout new roots and, t- and they will grow. But a vine. If you cut off the branch of a vine and you stuck it into the ground, it has no ability to grow its own roots and it withers and it dies. And that's why Jesus says, apart from me, apart from the vine, you can do nothing. You're not a succulent. Unfortunately, many of us live with a succulent mindset. On my own, I can do this. But apart from Jesus, our soul withers and dies. And we can do nothing. There's nothing that you can do to restore your soul. There's nothing that you can do to bring life to your soul, bring life to your heart, to life to your emotions, life to your thoughts. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. This idea of Jesus being divine speaks into Him being the life source. We draw strength from Him. We draw life from Him. We receive provision from Him. To abide in Jesus means to remain in relationship with Him. To remain in this condition of relationship with Him. Not just religious moments with Him, not just a Sunday evening. Or once a week in a connect group. But a daily lifestyle of relationship with God. Remain in me. Remain in relationship. What does it mean to live from relationship? Well, Jesus goes on to say there's certain things. This is how you remain in me. He says, if you abide in me, my words will abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you oh man people love this scripture (laughs) some people put this on the fridge together with a picture of whatever they desire they go lord i'm asking you whatever i wish jesus is saying here if you abide in me my words will abide in you he implies that if you abide in him You are abiding in his words in such a way that his words becomes part of who you are. Abiding in Christ means abiding in his words, remaining in his word. It means that we need to know his words. We need to study his word. We need to read his word. We need to meditate on his word. We need to make his word part of our lives. And allow his word to transform our minds. We have to think over his word. And this last part, allow his word to transform our minds. There's so many things that's fighting for your thoughts. There's so many things that's shaping your thoughts. There's so many things that are changing, transforming your mind. May the word of God be one of them. Meditate on it. And if we abide in his words, the natural outflow of this is we will know his will and abiding in his words will lead us into prayer. It's a natural outflow. If you're abiding in the word of God, it will lead you towards prayer. Now every relationship requires communication. Any healthy relationship, the lifeline of a relationship is healthy communication. Prayer is our communication to God. It's our communication with God. It's a moment where God speaks to us. Have you ever thought about the privilege of thinking that the almighty creator of heaven and earth takes time out of his schedule to speak to you? That he would metaphorically stoop down and say, what's on your heart, Elgert? Yes, I know, I know the problems of the world on my table, but what's on your heart? What's happening in your life, Seppel? What a privilege prayer is. Prayer is not just an opportunity for us to come with our needs list towards God. It's an opportunity for us to know God, to know His will. And the context of this scripture is when Jesus says, when you abide in my words and my words abide in you and it's been transforming your mind, you will pray according to my will and then you will receive whatever you ask. When we start to pray according to the will of God. If the will of God becomes so part of our lives, our prayer life changes. We pray differently. Abide in me, abide in my words, abide in prayer. And then Jesus says, abide in my love. And this is how you abide in his love. Contrary to what some people might think, this is not just emotion of love. It's not you sitting in your bed and think, oh Lord, just feel your love. (laughs) Abiding in the love of God means you keep his commandments this is how you show your love for God. You live according to His will. And I know know we hear this word commandments and obedience, we go, religion. But any love relationship requires boundaries. Every love relationship is supposed to be exclusive. Within every love relationship, You as an individual cannot do whatever you wanna do when you wanna do it. You have to restrain yourself and it's not about you, it's about us. Love requires boundaries. And we abide in the love of God when we choose to live within the boundaries of God. And then Jesus says, if you abide in abide in his word, abide in prayer, abide in his love by living according to his will, then you will experience his joy. You can put it on the next slide, please. Abide in him, abiding in his word, abiding in prayer, abiding in his love by living according to his will. Then we'll experience the joy that he wants to give us. But what if we don't just look at this scripture to find out how we can experience joy? What for a moment would happen if we don't just go to the words of Jesus to find out what we can get, but we actually use the words of Jesus to evaluate what is happening in our lives? What if we look at this encounter between Jesus and his disciples, and if Jesus says that I wanna give you joy, then we take him on his word and we ask ourselves, If you are not experiencing the joy of God, why not? If the joy of Christ is not part of your life, what's the reason? Because God is not withholding it. He said, I'm going to give it. So if we are not experiencing the joy of Jesus in our lives, why not? Let's go back to the prerequisites. What would be the reason? What would be the opposite of living in relationship with Jesus? I would suggest that it would be self-reliance. To live apart from Him, to not depend on Him, to not trust Him, to live by your own strength and your own ability, to wake up every morning and God is a fleeting thought and you're just gonna continue with life, that is self-reliance. Not living from the line, but living from your own strength, your own ability. Self-reliance will lead to unhappiness. The opposite of abiding in God's word, and I know this might be offensive to some of us, but at least let's be honest, Choosing not to abide in God's word would be arrogant. It's a form of arrogance where we inadvertently, maybe not intentionally, but inadvertently say, I don't need the word of God. I'm trusting my own knowledge, my own understanding, the knowledge of the world, whatever, wherever you're gathering your knowledge, but I don't need the direction of God. I don't need to shape my life according to his instructions I'm not abiding in his word it's a form of arrogance trusting yourself trusting your own wisdom and understanding that will lead to unhappiness a lack of joy and if we don't abide in the word of god we'll most probably not abide in prayer and prayerless prayerlessness will lead to a lack of joy how will we know god if we don't speak to god how will we know his will how will we follow his will a prayerless life says i'll follow my own will and ultimately disobedience will keep us from experiencing god's joy where I do whatever I want to do, when I want to do it, that will lead to a lack of joy. So yes, God said, abide in me, abide in my word, and abide in prayer, and abide in my love, and you will experience joy, but the opposite is also true. If we're self-reliant, arrogant, prayerless, and disobedient, we cannot expect to experience the joy of God. So if we are to phrase these terms in a way, if we are to give a a word that summarizes the obstacle to joy, that summarizes the challenges to what keeps us from experiencing God's joy, I wanna suggest tonight that our biggest hindrance to experiencing the joy of God is independence. It's a lifestyle that says I'll do it myself. It's a lifestyle that's all about you. It's a lifestyle where you prioritize yourself and other things above God. See, people struggle to find joy because we live apart from Jesus. It's as simple as that. We have moments with Jesus but our source of joy something else we trust ourselves for joy we trust our abilities the things that we can acquire for joy and there's not this continued living from the presence of God the life giving source it's independence and when we live independently then everything is about you that's what independence means It's about you, what I deserve, what I have, what I don't have, what is best for me, what I need, what I desire, who I am, who likes me. Independence turns the focus on you. And and inevitably, the self-focus makes us unhappy. It leads us to discontent and joylessness. Because you were never created to be the center of this world. And independence inadvertently makes us believe that everything is about us. But it's not. Your life is a gift. And your life is part of something far greater than yourself. And the pressure of living as if Everything resolves around you will make you unhappy. You were not created to carry the pressure of the center of the world on yourself. Self focus will lead to unhappiness because we weren't designed for this. So, before we can experience God's joy, we need God to deal with our independence. Otherwise, we're just running into performance. We're just running into religion. We'll do more for more. But before we experience the grace and the joy of God, we need God to deal with the independence in our heart, that independence spirit. And Jesus dealt with independence, with the independence of mankind by becoming completely dependent on God. That what we couldn't do, he became. Where where mankind chose to live independently, Jesus gave up all his rights, all his privileges, and he became completely dependent on the Father. And he lived for him in such a way that he had to trust God to raise him from the dead, completely dependent on God. And he lived in a way that we can never live and he defeated independence because we cannot. And when we wanna experience the joy of God, we need to turn to God and we need to repent of our independence. That's where it starts. We need to repent and say, God, I repent of my independent spirit. I repent that I wanna live for myself. I repent that everything is about me. And when we repent of this and we put our trust in Jesus that he will change us, And we start to live for Him because that's what it means when we say we're moving from independence towards dependence. Jesus didn't become dependent for Himself. He became dependent for the glory of the Father. His whole life points back to the love of God. And when we move from independence, we become part of what Jesus did. And we say, God, as I'm trusting you to change this independent spirit, I wanna live for something greater of myself. I'm not living for me. It's not about me. And God restores you into a relationship that's not about you. It's about Him. A relationship that's not about your joy and your privileges and your desires and your story. You are restored into something that is greater than you. It's relationship with him and part of his story. And we do everything we can to be part of that. When we do this, we take our rightful place that God designed for us and we experience the joy of God. It's not in what you do it's in what God gives us when we position ourselves in the position and the relationship that He has destined for us. Joy is a natural outflow of relationship with God. This joy is more than emotions and feelings of happiness, it's a contentment that God is enough and that He will provide according to all your needs. It's a peace that is greater than any fear that you might go through. It's a comfort that God is trustworthy. It's a hope that nothing is impossible for him and it's an assurance of his presence, regardless of what you have and what you go through. Our joy does not hang on thin wires. It hangs on the assurance of the cross. That's the foundation of our joy. And it's there for every one of us to experience. If we choose to repent of our independence, turn to God, and He'll give us His, our joy. It slows our eyes. I wanna ask that the band will come and join me in the front, and as they're doing this, I want you to take a moment Just reflect over your life. And I want you to ask the question, not what can I do to receive the joy of God, but rather what am I doing that is keeping me from the joy of God? And if God shows you any form of independence in your life, then you wanna use the moment to say, God, I wanna repent of that. I wanna repent of my independent living and I'm turning towards you and I'm trusting you, Jesus. Come and change me. Come reposition me in this relationship that's far greater than myself. Lord, as I'm turning from my independence, I pray that you will help me to live beyond myself, to live in a way that honors you. And as I'm doing this, Lord, I pray that I would experience your peace. So just where you are, would you ask that question? And would you pray that prayer in your own words? What keeps me from experiencing God's joy? Lord, as we turn to you tonight lord i pray that you would forgive us for those moments where we live independently from you lord i pray you would forgive us for the areas of our lives that's independent of you areas that we're not trusting you areas where we're living by our own strength and our own ability and our own understanding Would you forgive us? Because, Lord, in acknowledging our independence, we also see what you've done, Lord Jesus. You were willing to become dependent far beyond the way the world can ever live, and we want to thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you that when you died on the cross, that you took independence on you as well that you took the spirit of independence, the sin of independence, and that you've already defeated that, Lord, that we're already forgiven for that sin, Lord. And therefore, Lord, as we repent this evening, we turn to you, we pray, Lord, that we'll not just receive forgiveness of this independence, Lord, but by your grace, may you come and change us, Lord. Because, Lord, we acknowledge tonight that apart from you, we can do nothing. And we need you, Lord, far more than what we'll ever know and even what we'll desire. Therefore, Lord, I pray, would you come and change us? Would you come and help us not focus on ourselves, but may you become the source of our lives. May you be the one that provides into everything, Lord. May you be the one that gives us joy and a peace, but in such a way that it empowers us to live a life that reflects back to you and glorifies you. Because it's not about us, Lord, it's about And therefore, Lord, I pray in this moment that You, by Your Spirit, Holy Spirit, would You come and restore joy in people's lives. Give us Your joy, Lord. We don't want to build our lives on fragile things and moments. We want to build on what You've done on the cross. And Lord, therefore, I ask, not just for the moments of feelings of joy, but for lasting joy that glorifies you. Would you come and bring change to our lives tonight? Lord, Lord, as we turn and repent and trust you to bring change, we acknowledge that it's for your glory. You are the King of Kings, the one who's worthy. We want to give our lives for you, Lord, as you're giving your joy to us. Would you help us to live in such a way? We pray this and ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. And all of us say, Amen. We're going to sing this long last song, Vini, again. Now we're going to sing it as a prayer. I want to encourage some of you, you can stand. Some of you can kneel down. Some of you just can stay seated. May we focus on the words and may we make this the prayer. Of our hearts, that He is the vine, He is our source, and we live in dependence of Him. So, whatever you feel comfortable, if you want to stand, stand; if you want to kneel down, kneel down; if you want to be in prayer, be in prayer. But let's use this song as a prayer of our hearts to solidify that what I believe God wants within our lives. Today.
1: just to